Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. How many here like a good mystery? Anybody? Anybody mystery lovers? Get it up there a little high. I can't see it. If you, Okay, good. I, I love good mysteries. So for those of you that raise your hand, how many have ever seen the 411 documentaries? Anybody have seen those? Like people that just go missing in our national forests? Anybody seen these? Nobody? Maybe all of them are missing. I don't know. I mean... They're just craziness. I mean, it's like UFO kind of stuff. So I love uh, mystery stuff and, um, you know, like things like where's Jimmy Hoffa, you know. Being from Detroit, those are natural kind of mysteries. And, uh, or, or what about Stonehenge or the Bermuda Triangle even, right? And here's a question I want to know. Does D.B. Cooper live in Mount Vernon? Does any? <laughs> Does anybody else want to know this? He, he, there's been these claims that he does. He could be your neighbor. You ought to be friendly to him. Anyway, just a thought. And, and here's the biggest one. The biggest mystery, if you're from the Pacific Northwest, is, is Bigfoot real? Come on, somebody. How, how many believe in Bigfoot? Let me see your hand. Shame the devil. Be, oh, my wife does? <laughs> I didn't even know this. <laughs> Come on, girl, we got to talk. Today is our 35th year anniversary, everybody. <laughs> and, um, and I'm finding out new things about her moment, right this moment, right here in front of all of you. Our, how many are not Bigfoot believers? Let me see here. We just started playing this game with our granddaughter. I don't know where she heard about Bigfoot. But she says, Pop-Pop, go hide behind the tree and peek out from behind the tree so we can play Bigfoot. That, that's how you play Bigfoot. And so the other day, in front of the whole family, I hid behind a post in our yard, and I peeked behind, and I said, guess who I am? She said, Bigfoot. And everybody's like, how did she know that? You got to believe. You just got to believe, all right? But more than a mystery, I think most of you mystery lovers, uh, more than a mystery, I like when the mystery is solved. Don't you love the, like, aha moment, like, Whoa, I didn't see that coming. I, I like the revelation. Maybe that's why I like Sherlock Holmes so much, right? It's like he, he solves the mystery. Well, all that to say that if you start in chapter number three, chapter number three in our study in the book of Ephesians, it opens with a mystery. And Paul very openly and very candidly talks about the mystery that has been there for thousands upon year, uh, thousands of years that have been perplexing the people of Israel, the Jewish nation, uh, concerning God's plan for salvation. So this Old Testament writing, which they knew as Scripture or the Hebrew Scripture at that time, um, Paul is uh, he he says, man, it's all a mystery. Because God said he's going to come, he's going to bring a savior, he's going to establish a kingdom, and, and all this. Stuff. But it was a mystery. The Old Testament tells us that God wants a relationship with him, but there's this mystery as to how will it unfold. Well, Paul deals with that mystery in chapter number 3. 
of the book of Ephesians. Let's read it. I'm going to read. Uh, we're going to try to get through the, those 10 verses today. We'll see how far we get. But in Ephesians chapter number 3, it says this. In Paul's writing, he says, for this reason, and, and I love that. And, and if you're newer around here, I'll highlight some words that we're going to come back to. Uh, for this reason, actually, will be our first point today. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus... Um, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. There's a key there that when God gives us grace, how many know it's not just for us? It's for you. It's for others also, right? And then he says, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. It's the mystery. Larry, I know you've talked to us on the staff about the mystery of Christ, the, the things that are hard to identify. Have you ever showed up to church and there's just this atmosphere, and, and, and it feels like a mystery because I don't know what words to use to describe that. Any, anybody know that feeling? It's the mystery. And, and I love how Paul calls it the mystery of Christ. So, so let's dive into this, and I want to break these verses into uh, just four more talkable points, and uh, they don't rhyme today, all right, everybody? They don't rhyme, but um, l let's kind of just break this down, and the first thing I'd like to consider is the first line that he says, and he says this, for this reason, uh, because then it begs to ask the question, what, what is he talking about here? Paul starts off in chapter 3, for this reason. Now, let me give you a little background. Paul is writing from prison. He's writing this letter. And remember, if you were here for part number one, the book of Ephesians is a letter that he wrote to one of the seven churches of Asia Minor, or the seven churches of Revelation, you might call it. And he's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, but it's what's called a circular letter. So in other words, it's not just to that church, it's, it's to all the churches in the region. So it'd be like God delivering a letter to Radius Church, but it's for all the churches to participate in the direction. And, and how many know we are the church? That means he's talking to us. Yeah, in case your neighbor looks like they're dead, just punch him and say, that means you, all right? I just want to make sure everybody's awake for this, okay? So Paul is writing from prison. He's endured uh, major hardships, but it is for this reason, it is this reason that he's willing to go through all that he's gone through for this reason. Well, what reason, Ken? What, what is the reason that he's willing to be imprisoned and stoned and left for dead and, and face all kind of hardships? And the reason is to share the solution to the previous mystery. The Old Testament was packed with mystery promises, but how would God fulfill those promises became the mystery, and now Paul gets to be the Sherlock Holmes that delivers the revelation or the solution to what was previously known as a mystery. And the solution, come on, to this mystery, it will change the world. 
Yeah, the, the mystery of how God and I can have a relationship, how a holy God can have a relationship with a sinner like me. How many know that's a mystery, everybody? The, the fact that he would adopt me and give me all the privileges of sonship, how many know that's a mystery? How many of you aren't going to say amen no matter what I say today? It, 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 Paul's saying this. There you go. I got you. All right. For, it's for this reason he's saying. It's for, I'm willing to go through all of this because I want you, This is the reason I'm willing to go through it all because I want you to know the grace of this Father. Wow. And, and a better translation to that word uh, is, is a cause. He says, I have a reason for doing what I do. I think good churches and good leadership have a reason for why they do what they do and don't do what they don't do. Come on, somebody. It's for this reason. What is the reason we have church? Just to be random? What is the reason for it? A, a better term for reason is cause. So, so what Paul is basically saying, look, I have this cause, and there's this cause within me, and this cause is greater than me, and this cause causes me to give my time, to give my service, to give my finances, to give my passion. This cause in me, it drives me. It's this cause that makes me show up to church. Come on. It's this cause that makes me join the dream team. It's this cause that separates me from my hard-earned money. It's the cause that is within me. The definition for the word cause is a, a, a principal aim or, or a movement that, that because of a deep commitment, one is prepared to defend or to advocate. And I would submit to you that life has not even started until you identify what is your cause, what is your purpose, what is your, for this reason I get up in the morning, well, what is your cause? My friend Matthew Barnett, who founded with his father, who's my pastor, Pastor Tommy Barnett, his son Matthew uh, founded the Los Angeles Dream Center. He went to L.A. from Phoenix when he was 19 years old <laughs> to go start to reach that neighborhood. Long story short, they bought an old abandoned hospital. I can't remember, seven floors, something like that, a whole city block long. And, and he did it because there was this cause. There was this purpose. There was this drivenness that he had to do something besides just come and sit and listen to another sermon on a Sunday. Hello, somebody, right? Uh, and, and so years later, here's this hospital that is bringing in run, teen runaways and, and ex-gangbangers uh, and prostitution, and there's homes and every floor. One floor is dedicated to the girls that have been rescued uh, from sex trafficking. One floor is dedicated to all the young men that are trying to come out of gangs. One floor is dedicated to all those that sold themselves on the streets. One floor is for all all those that are just coming out of prison and trying to rehab and learn how to have another floor, and it goes on and on and on. And if you were to ask Matthew, why did you do this? He said, there's a cause. In fact, he wrote a book. In fact, you could get the book. It's called The Cause Within You. And, and his argument is that all of us have a cause, and we will never accomplish anything of any eternal value until we recognize the cause. Why did God 
make us? Why did he create us? Come on, are you guys hearing what I'm saying? You see, you could hear Matthew's story and say, whoa, it's great that he has a cause. But how many know God didn't create you on accident? You have a cause also, everybody. It begs the question. Here's the question that it begs to answer. That, that if Paul is willing to lose his life for this cause, it's for this reason I'm willing to die. It's for this reason I'm in prison. It's this cause within me. If Paul's willing to die for his cause, I've got to ask a room full of saints, do you have a cause? Have you identified the cause that God put inside of you? Are you, are you following that? Let, let me ask the question a little easier. Are we active participants in the cause or in a cause that is greater than us? Here's a real quick hint. I would say this if I was harsh, but because I'm such a nice guy, I won't say it this way. Your cause is greater than how it serves you. Let me say it another way. I'm going to get some amens one way or another. I know it's summertime, but it's not vacation in here, everybody. The cause has got to be more than just paying the bills. The cause has got to be more than just putting food on the table. Is there a cause that is bigger than you yourself? Come on. That's the cause of Christ in us. And in case you didn't know, Radius, we have a cause. And our cause is not to just move into a community, open up a church so that we could preach sermons. The cause has got to be greater than that. The cause has got to be that we're in love with this valley, that there, there is a valley that has needs, and we need to be in love with this valley, and we need to reach this valley with a life-giving message of Jesus, not a stale, outdated message of legalism and religion. Come on, can I get an amen in the house? Is there, is, there not a, is there not a cause? Is there not a for this reason? What moves us from just coming to hear a sermon to living out a for this reason? For this reason. And what is the cause? Last week we heard from Haley Brown. And we could hear the passion as she stood up here and cried over your children. And cried about her cause. And, and, and I said, we got 30 kids workers right now. We've had nearly 500 kids under the age of 10 walk through our doors since January this year. Come on. How many know the church needs to have a cause if we're going to reach those kids for the glory of God? Right, everybody? But, but there has to be a cause, a cause that's bigger than just meeting together. There has to be a cause. What is the cause? What causes someone to give their day off to go watch and minister to your kids? They, they've already driven you batty for six days, and now you're going to let someone else into that world. What would cause a volunteer with no pay to do that? It's the cause within them. It's the cause that we have this opportunity for this reason that maybe we can reach another Ken Hubbard, that we can reach another kid that is lost. Uh, well, how about a cause that's bigger than just us? 
I, I think the day's coming real soon. We need to open what I've been calling a youth mall. And I'm not talking about a little youth group that eats brownies on Wednesday night and drinks Kool-Aid. I'm talking about a mall. I'm talking about a place where kids can come after school and have tutors to do homework and a laboratory of computers. And by the way, if we're going to have computers, we might as well have indoor basketball and we might as well have pool tables and we might as well have a water bar and we might as well have some counselors there and we might as well have some people there. Come on, there's a cause. There's a reason, everybody. We sit around and talk about how bad our world is, but what is the cause that we have? Come on, that is helping them out. We celebrate. We've been in our building now going on six months, and we celebrate what God has done. But this summer, as we launch into this summer, and while we're having people circulate vacations, we got to go into remodel phase number two. Have you noticed we need more seats in here? And, and so we're going to remodel. We're knocking that back wall out to help traffic flow. We're knocking that room out to add us about 70 more seats. And, and, but we can't add more parking lot. And so we're going we're gonna to rent the parking lot of the bowling alley. And so the cause is we need a golf cart. How many know that, right? In fact, somebody here ought to just buy our golf cart for us so we can get them over here. Can the cause just continue to grow? When do we just become satisfied? Paul's saying, I will give my life because he gave his, and I get every spiritual blessing, and it is for this reason that I want to reveal this message to some people that have not heard this message. It's for this cause. Well, Ken, that we can only put so many seats. I know. How about location number two? And how about location number three? And, and, and Phil, how about if we turn our Wednesday night men's into looking for some pastors uh, and we can raise up pastors, right, Mike? And we can let them go be campus pastors and let them build teams. And, and let's really do something more. Let's have a cause. Let's have a purpose. Say, Ken, why do you spend your Wednesday nights ministering to men and young men? Why do you do that? Because, uh, because we have uh, the average age 35-year-old men that are coming to this church like crazy, coming to this church with no church background, asking questions about marriage and raising kids. And so what is the cause that drives us to minister to men and, and help men out? Because if we can build a better man that loves God, then we can help build better marriages. And if we can help build better marriages and they can become better husbands, then they'll be better fathers. And if they're better fathers, they can build better families. And better families build better communities. And then our cause is to affect a community, not a bunch of believers. Come on, everybody. It's the cause to share the inclusive, life-giving message of the gospel of grace. And it is the cause, watch this, that caused or compelled Paul to serve. In fact, he says it when we skip down to verse number 7. He says this. He says, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. If you're a Christian, you've been given the gift of grace. And he's saying, it is for this reason that I became a servant. 
It is because of what God has done for me. I can't help it. i got to do something for somebody else. This would be a great time for me to salute and thank all of our Dream Teamers because you live for a greater cause. Here's a question. Why would somebody spend their day off to come and minister? Why would you spend your day off to come and do blessing bags and help the homeless in our community? Why would you spend your day off to come here and watch kids and minister to kids? Why would somebody come to church on a Sunday morning, do their ministry, and jump in their car and go to work on a day that's not their day off? Why? Because why would you give your hard-earned money? Why would you give your hard-earned time? Because there's a cause. And those that get it, get it. It's because of what God has done in me. I want somebody else, and I don't want anybody to be left out. Paul says, for this reason, I'm involved. Come on, everybody. Right? Number two, the second thing is, you guys seem kind of fired up this morning. (laughs) Number two, he says, the mystery is revealed. In verse number five, he's, he begins to show us how the mystery is revealed. In verse number five, he says this. He says, which was not made known to people in other generations as it is now been revealed. By the way, we live in a great time. We live in the time of Jesus. Come on, we live in the time of grace. We live in a time where the mystery of how we're going to have a relationship with God, it's been revealed. Come on, everybody. So so we can praise God better than the Old Testament could praise God. And we can pray better than the Old Testament could pray. Because they had to go through a priest, but we have divine access into the Holy of Holies. Come on now. Which was not made known to the people in other generations as it is now been revealed. By the Spirit to God's holy uh, or through God's uh, holy apostles and prophets. It, it wasn't known to other generations. And you say, well, what is that? And, and that can get a little tricky. Let me, let me do a little bit of pastoral work right there. Because you can say, well, what does that mean it wasn't known to previous generations? Well, the, the, the Old Testament followers of Christ were fo- or followers of God were following God by a set of rules. But they didn't know him personally like we get to know him today. And, but, but it's not just that. I, w- I want to pull something out. Because if you're not careful, I have watched now 36 years of ministry, I have watched people take a verse like this one to justify why God has told them something that is contrary to the word of God. They'll use verses like this to say, well, but God has told me and see, it could sound like a false prophet, like a Muhammad of Islam, or even nowadays false prophets that claim special insights from God that create all kind of craziness going on. Actually, Paul here is not claiming a new salvation. He's not claiming a new way. He's not creating a new religion. He's not creating a cult or a new following. But he's unlocking the message of grace that had been promised throughout the Old Testament. We know this because Paul wrote in Romans chapter number 1, verse number 2. Do I have that verse? Romans 1 and 2. It says, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures or in the Hebrew Scriptures. Um, The plan that Paul is revealing isn't some new, like, out-of-left-field, God-told-me 
kind of thing, but it's the execution of the plan that had been set up that it had been a mystery, but now, it, 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 now he's saying it's not about you following all these laws. You having a relationship with God and you're wondering, how am I ever going to be good enough and obey enough law to have that? That's the mystery. How am I ever going to do this? Now, it wasn't in keeping the law. Wait, let me say that. Now, Paul's revealing, now the pathway is not tied to the Old Testament law. Now the pathway is tied to the new covenant grace in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is anybody glad for this today? Yeah, yeah. So, and, and what I love about this is then he says, and earlier when I read it, he says, it's including you Gentiles. In other words, this new message is not just for God's chosen people. This, the, this new covenant is not just for those that are born of the right lineage. This new message is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. I'm going to skip ahead, and I'll come back to it. Verse number 9, it says something really interesting to us. And he said, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. So he says, it's this reason that I've come to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So for all those ages back there, it was like hidden. It was, it was, it was hard to understand. But, but, but I want to make this admi- uh, everyone the administration of this ministry. A, a better word would be this. A better word for in our language would be strategy. So Paul is saying, I, I, I want to make the strategy of this mystery known. I want to show you God's strategy here. A strategy is the process in which we reach a goal. Uh, Let me show you the strategy how you can have a relationship with Jesus. Let me show you the strategy of how you can be saved. Let me show you the strategy of how you can make it to heaven. Let me, let me show you God's strategy. See, God has been promising throughout the Old Testament that he would bless us. He's been promising that he would bless us since Abraham. And now... Here we are in the book of Ephesians, and he's revealing that mystery that how God would accomplish blessings on our life. Is this making sense to anybody? Watch this. Galatians chapter number 3. Let me show you. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hung on a pole. Watch the verse 14. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come on the Gentiles. And by the way, that's us. That the blessings that the Jewish people got would come on us. That the relationship that the Jewish people got, now we could have. The blessings that he used to bless Abraham, now we could all have access to. This is God's strategy. Watch. Uh, that might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Remember chapter number one, we have every spiritual blessing when we're in Christ Jesus. And then, so that by faith we might receive the promises of the Spirit. It is important to understand that Paul is not talking about a new revelation, but an Old Testament promise and mystery that is now being revealed through Jesus Christ. The mystery is solved by the work and the message and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
mystery solved. Come on, Paul, Sherlock Holmes, right? You guys hearing that today? Now, let's move to verse number six for a minute. I think perhaps one of the greatest verses in the Bible is verse number six. And let's look at it. Watch this. It says, the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs. <laughs> how, could, how could God promise the blessings on Abraham would come on us? Well, the mystery, the solution, the strategy that we are going to get to live in every spiritual blessing, the mystery is revealed through the gospel. That all of us that were outsiders, come on, we are now heirs because we've been adopted into Christ. Oh, wow. Together with Israel. Yeah, see, check this out. It's together with Israel. See, Israel had the blessing, but how do we get the blessing? The Jewish people had the blessing, but how do we get the blessing? We're on the outside looking in. But the mystery is solved through the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. and, and shares together in the promise. There's that phrase I told you to keep watching for all through Ephesians. It's it, it shared in Christ Jesus. And, and again, the Gentiles, that's us. We can be saved without keeping the laws that were given to all those good Jewish boys learning the whole Old Testament rules. How, how, how do we get the blessing through faith in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ, not by our own righteousness and following all the laws. Now, that doesn't mean you can go out and murder somebody. How many know that, right? It just means that's not the pathway to salvation anymore. It means anybody that's broken any of those Ten Commandments or any of the other 600 can still be redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. It's not depending on how good you are. It's depending on how good he has already been, right? Yeah, yeah. Paul is showing us that the law was never intended to save people, but to reveal to us our need of a Savior. Mystery solved. It's the mystery solved. And here, here it is that anyone can be saved. And by the way, here's some interesting in-between-the-lines stuff. That's why the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, hated Paul. Think about it. They're telling everybody, hey, you don't have to work. Hey, hey, everybody, I know they have their little spiritual churchy, churchy, holy huddle club over here, and you got to look right, act right, talk right, memorize enough, pray enough, do enough spiritual, religious stuff to be in the club. And oh, by the way, even after you've done all that, if you weren't born in the right lineage, you can't have it. So Paul comes around to the rest of us Gentiles and says, hey, guess what, everybody? There's another door in. And you don't have to do anything except receive this gift of grace. Don't you think it made the Jewish leaders mad? Because they've been working so hard. They worked so hard that their breath wouldn't stink. But it still stunk. Right, everyone? So Paul is offering free to all of us what they had worked so hard to what they thought they would gain. Mm-hmm. Mm and now he's offering it free. And, and don't miss the inclusion here. Did, did you see that? Gentiles, that means you and me, are heirs together. We share together in the spiritual benefits of the house of God. That kind of sounds like an open circle, doesn't it? Come on. Let me do 
now let me get to something that's probably, in my opinion, one of the most important things in chapter number three. And I'm just going to call it the mission of the church. So the third thing is the mission of the church. So, so Paul goes through. If you follow, if you follow linear, Paul's saying, man, Jesus came, he died, and when we're in him, we have every spiritual blessing. We're adopted, we're redeemed, and I've come to put up with all this. It's for this reason that I'm here telling everybody now he begins to shift gears, and you'll see this gear shift happen throughout the last three chapters of Ephesians, because now he begins to shift and talk about, for this reason, the church ought to be doing something. Should I pray now so anybody that's going to be offended could sneak out right now, because it's been really nice finding all the benefits we get in Christ, but Paul's shifting gears from first gear, he's putting it into overdrive, and he's saying, it is for this reason that the church has a responsibility. Woo, come on now. You guys look mean today. What's up, huh? Did we serve coffee this morning? Or I mean, I know this is some kind of study stuff, but watch this, the mission of the church. And by the way, first of all, he already gave us the first clue. The mission of the church, um, part of the mission of the church is that we're inclusive, I don't know how you grew up. Some of you didn't grow up in church. Some of you grew up in other kind of churches. I grew up in a church that was everything but inclusive. They were what we called exclusive. Uh, I, I mean, and it, it, it was like, I went to like a holiness church, like where everything was a sin. If you looked at something wrong, it was a sin. And if you played cards, it was a sin. I mean, it was like it was like a clean holiness group. They were so clean, they were about clean out of business because nobody could be that clean. How many know what I'm saying, right? And, and it was everything except inclusion. It was exclusion. If you didn't look like us and didn't talk like us and didn't pray like us and didn't dress like us and didn't believe the way we believe, then you can't be a part of our club. I literally watched my pastor throw somebody out of church for wearing a baseball hat. There goes you, and there goes you, and there goes... If we started talking about tattoos, that would empty out 60% of our church. Plus me. See you later. It's 35 years, honey. You're supposed to love me more, all right? It's inclusion. Verse number 10 tells us that he has an intent for the church. Are you guys ready? Can you tell I'm stalling? I'm letting you catch your breath. Because check out verse number 10. Watch this. His, God, his intent was that now, because of everything that we've read, all the blessings, his intent is that now through the church. And by the way, just in case you're new to this whole church thing, the church is not this building. And the church is not even our ministries and our programs. In case you didn't know this, you and I, we are the church. I, we did this in chapter number one. The church is not brick and mortar. The church, we're living stones. We're, we're the stones in the house of God. Mm -hmm. So it's intent. So, so just time out. I, I would never say this because I'm way too nice. But if you're the church, you should not just be sitting. Because God has an intent. And he wants to do something through his church. That means you, and that means me. He wants to do something through us, not just to us, but through us. 
Some of you are mad at me. I can tell. His intent was that now through the church, I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly realms. Let me say that the way I want to say it. It is through the church that the gates of hell ought to know that there's something going on good and that they cannot have this valley and they cannot have our kids and they cannot have our teenagers and they cannot have our marriages and they cannot have our peace of mind and they can't have us. It is through the church that we got to give a message that helps the enemy of hell. No, no, not my family. No, not my marriage. No, not my kids. No, not my teenagers. Come on. And it is through you, Paul says, that he accomplishes that mystery. Can I please get an amen in here today? It's the manifold wisdom of God that he wants it to be made known. The mission of the church is to share the message of grace. Not a message of law, a message of grace. Because it is his grace that leads us to repentance. Come on, somebody. If I get up here and preach what you ought to not do, guess what you're going to go do? You're going to go do everything I said don't do. But if I get up here and say there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, It frees us from those things because now we know we're in a relationship with God. The manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God, if I was to shorten that, it's the salvation plan. Let me say this. The church should be God's greatest trophy cabinet for the world to see. When things like COVID come along and the world has gone crazy and lost their minds... And the world is wondering what to do. They ought to be able to look at this thing called the church and see the testimonies of peace and the testimonies of joy and the testimonies of unity and the testimonies of partnership and the testimonies of diversity. Do I need to keep on going? When there's racial wars outside of here, they ought to look to the trophy cabinet and see diversity inside the church. Come on, everybody. We ought to be God's greatest trophy cabinet in this valley. And one of the arguments for the power of the gospel is to look at the local church and just to see its diversity. Now, I know most chairs are full today. If you're around here on a regular basis, it's pretty cram-packed. And let's just take a look around our church. I'm not talking about the global church because the global church will really blow your mind. But let's just look at the people in our church. Anybody, Star Wars fans, anybody remember the original? Sometimes I think our church looks like the bar scene of Star Wars. How many know what I'm saying? I mean, there's all kind of creatures in here. There's all kind of diversity in here. Just look at this place, a place where brown skin and white skin come sit on the same row and worship the same God together. Come on, somebody, right? Let's talk about the diversity, because the diversity is more than skin color. How could a place, what is it? I think it's the mystery. It's a mystery. How come white skin, brown skin, black skin, red skin can come and worship one father? How can a rich guy and a poor guy and a young guy and an old guy sit on the same row and worship God? How in the world can an ex-prisoner sit on the same row with a police officer and both of them got their hands in the you guys know who I'm talking about in here, right? 
How can a business owner sit on the same black chair with a, with, with a homeless person? How can a Republican sit with a Democrat? How can a gay sit with a straight? How can a non-believer sit with a believer? It's called a mystery, and it's revealed in the grace of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody. That's what it is. It's a mystery. How does that happen? How do it's called an open circle of grace? I was thinking this week, I was talking to my friend Blake, and he gave me permission. How does a Blake come to this church that had been addicted to meth for five years? Tatted every ounce of his skin is tatted from his wrist to his ankles. How does a guy like that come here as a single father raising a beautiful little girl that almost didn't make it because of the mom and dad's meth addiction? She was born premature and born addicted to meth, but came here and sits on a row with another guy that was raised in a Christian school and become best buddies and worship the father the same way. Come on now, right? How does that happen? How does that happen? How does a... How does a Maria, some of you met Maria, she got baptized, she sits on that second row every second service. How does a girl that was raised in a cult by a satanic father and mother and, and, and emancipate herself from her parents, divorced her parents at 16 years old and traveled the world looking for truth, got into Buddhism, got into all kind of crazy new age stuff, and how in the world could it be that she would find herself in a black chair on a Sunday morning, understanding the grace of this divine mystery for the first time in her life. See, when the world is looking for answers and peace and joy and diversity, it ought to be, we ought to be the trophy case. Come on. And that means we got to shine. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, the enemy is trying so hard to create division. The church is to demonstrate unity and vision. Come on, I should have gave you earplugs today, right? I, in case you haven't known it, I've been in the church since I was six years old. And I'm still passionate about the church because the church is the hope of our world. It's the hope of our community, everybody. And Paul is saying, it is for this reason that the church, it is for this intent that the church, come on, that's us. He didn't say, it's for this reason that we ought to come and listen to some wild man scream at us every Sunday morning. <laughs> uh, I'm just giving my locker room speech because the game is getting ready to happen when you leave these doors. Come on, guys. The last thing he says is he talks about prayer. and Oh, I love this. And I got to close. That clock says 10.02. This one says 9.59. I'm going with this one. That's a new clock. It's probably no good. All right. The fourth thing, just watch this real quick. Ephesians 3, verses number 14 through 20. Here's what he says. For this, uh, is that it? Yeah. Um, yeah. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Paul's saying, this is why I pray. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Did you hear Haley last week say, man, I pray for your kids. What? You're praying for some kids that aren't even yours? Yeah, all, all week, I just can't wait. I'm praying over your kids. I've heard Dream Teamers say, yeah, I pray over that parking lot. I, I, I heard somebody tell me, and I won't call names, but I heard somebody tell me they show up here Sunday morning like at 5 a.m. and pray over the parking lot and all over the parking spots. For this reason, 
For this reason, Denise Fox gets here at 7.30, 7.45 on Sunday morning to start making coffee because coffee makes a better preacher. How many know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Denise, thank you. You know I need all the help I can get. It is for this reason, Paul says, that for this reason I kneel before the Father. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being. He's praying for the church, that you would be able to reflect the trophy case so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and pray that you be rooted and established in love. Let me, let me just hit this really quick. Uh, no, no, I, I don't have time. Go to my next verse, whatever it is. Go to, may, that we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Watch this. I can't help this. To grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is for us. How can we just sit when we get a revelation of this? Wow. This one part I, I totally get. We pray, literally, we pray during the week. We have prayer teams that do it. I do it. Our staff does it. Our lead team does it. Our dream team. We pray first and foremost that you would know God. And when we say know God, not just a decision for Christ, but that you that have been serving him 30 years would know him a little bit more today. I, I can't close without at least touching on these little issues right here. The wide, the long, the high, the deep. Because I just really sense in my spirit here that somebody needs to know that God loves you. There's somebody in the room, you've, you've been trying to do this whole relationship with God in a religious form. But Paul's saying, no, that's, the mystery is that God loves you. In fact, he loves you so much. In fact, let me try my best to describe his love. First of all, it's wide. The width of his love speaks to the accepting love that he has. It's, it's wide. Watch this. It's not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles. It's wide. It's not just for those in the circle. Let's open the circle up and make it wide. Come on now. Wide. Demonstrated by his arms open wide. It's all-encompassing. God loves us. Wow. And then he says, how long? Oh, and I should make a whole message about this. How long? It speaks of the longevity of his love. Aren't you glad that he loved you while you were a knucklehead? Hmm? Yeah, knucklehead, that's Hebrew for sinner, all right? It speaks of his long. Come on, aren't you glad he loved you when, you know, you, you know, right? Nothing changes. Um, he loves it. Let, let me explain it real quick this way. Here, here's your past right here. Okay, just imagine it right here. Just put it in a nice little neat box. I know it's not a nice little neat box. It's not little and it's not neat. How many know what I'm saying? But for the sake of the illustration, here's your past. And, and, and here's your present. And here's your future. And, and when, the, when Paul says how long his love is, He's helping us to understand his love is wider than your past. And it's bigger and longer and has more longevity than your future. That's why he's able to love us no matter what our past is. And heal us no matter what our past is. And secure us in our future no matter what our present or past has done. Remember in chapter 1, he loved us before the foundations of the world. 
That's how long his love is. How high, how high speaks of what we found in, in, in chapter number one also and in chapter number two, that he exalts us. He loves us so much that he promotes us. Wait a minute. Come on, somebody. How many have blessings that are far beyond your level of obedience? You better raise your hand. Or may the elasticity in your socks give out right now. Come on. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. He exalts us when we humble ourselves and make him our Lord and Savior. He promotes us. He blesses us. He gives us. His kindness leads us to repentance. All right. He, he promoted us to be seated with him. We talked about that last week. And then I got to close. Number, uh, the next thing is how deep. Oh, man. How wide. How long. How high. And how deep. The deepness speaks of a sacrificial love. I mean, the agony and the depth that Jesus went through to show us his great love. Right, everybody? i got to close there. And if you're a Bible reader, you'll know I'm closing right before perhaps one of the most famous verses in Ephesians chapter number 3 that gets over-preached. And so I'm not going to preach it, all right? <laughs> Ephesians 3.20, it says this. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more, then all we ask or imagine, according to his power that works in us. Can I just summarize this verse real quick? It's been preached, it's been preached, it's been preached. Here's the summary. The stronger you are on the inside of understanding the revelation of the mystery of Christ, the more you'll be able to do as the church on the outside. In other words, the more you accept this message of grace, the more you can do to help a world that is lost without it. Amen, everybody? Come on, i got to stop right there. i got to end right there. I hope you'll receive that.